This is our uh, final sermon on rest. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope it's, if it hasn't challenged you, uh, maybe you should have been the one preaching this because it's tough. Rest is hard to do, um, especially this time of the year, but I'm so grateful that God has put it before us um, during this season because it is incredibly busy and a lot of things going on. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about rest being a gift. We've talked about rest being holy. We've talked about God being a creator, a doer, that work is good. He said, my work is good, but rest is holy, right? Today, we're going to um, drive the point home a little bit more with a little more uh, punch, I think, is maybe the word to use as we talk about rest being a commandment, all right? Rest is a command, all right? And we don't like to be commanded to do things, but typically when we're commanded to do something, especially by the Lord, we need to pay attention. We need to listen to what he's saying and why. And uh, so we're going to be looking this morning in Exodus chapter 16 and uh, where all of this came from in terms of rest with God as a command as he is dealing with his Israelites in the wilderness. Fun stuff. All right, Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 1. It says, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So we're talking about a month and a half of being free from enslavement as brickmakers in Egypt. A month and a half. Verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt... There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Yeah, right. But, have you, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Okay, it's been a month and a half, right? And this is what they're saying. There is a modern day term that maybe you've heard before that describes what is going on with the Israelites here. And that term is hangry, all right? They are hangry out in this desert. If you don't know what that means, that is, a, that is when your hunger turns to anger. And the only way your anger can subside is if you eat something, right? Some of y'all might now, right, might, right now might be a little hangry, saying, James, shut up. I'm trying to get to lunch, right? I'm hangry. When we're hangry, it's, it's like the full moon has come out and we turn into werewolves, right? Get away from me. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Don't you dare touch me until I get something in my system. And when we're hangry, it does make us act differently than we normally would. It makes us think and do things differently than we normally would. And we see that right here from the Israelites. They are hangry in the desert, and they are actually misremembering their experience in Egypt. Saying back then, oh, we used to sit, we just sat around and ate. That's all we did. Like, hello, are you serious? Are you serious? Why? Because they were hungry. They hadn't rested in a while. They hadn't rested in a while. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. You know, as if they've forgotten, right? 
Verse 7, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Okay, so God's purpose in bringing them this manna, this bread from heaven, is twofold. One, it is to feed them because they are hangry. But two, it is to remind them so that they will know that God has freed them. Okay? God has freed them from enslavement. So on that seventh day of rest, on that sixth day, they've gathered twice as much. On that seventh day of rest, it is a, the point of it is to remember. It is to remember salvation. Listen, well, we talked about it last week. Rest points to Jesus. What we see here, what we're going to see in a little bit, is how this moment right here all points to Jesus. He is reminding the Israelites in the, in the wilderness, I saved you. And in order to remind them, he's telling them, but you got to stop. You have to rest to remember that. Verse 8, so Moses also said, you will know, there it is, that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. So Moses is saying here, look, God is going to give. He is going to give these things to you and you are going to know it. It's not something that you've earned. He is going to rain it down from heaven. And all this grumbling that you're doing, you can, you can focus it on us, but it is not towards us. It is towards the Lord. Who are we? We didn't rescue you. God did. So when you're grumbling, it's not towards me. It's to the Lord. So when we grumble with each other, how tired and exhausted, blah, 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 we're not grumbling towards each other or towards ourselves. We're grumbling to the Lord because we're not doing what he says to do. <clears throat> Verse 10, while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. <laughs> Lord Jesus, have patience with us. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Check this out. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. It's as if... God knows what he's doing when he's providing for them, right? You're going to gather this much, you're going to gather this much, and at the end of the day, everyone's going to have exactly what they need. Y'all, God knows what he's doing. He can do the math. He can provide for us. Whether you think it or not, he knows what he is doing. He can literally rain down the exact amount of bread that all of the Israelites in the wilderness need. He knows what he is doing. Okay? If you need to write that down in your notes, circle it, star it, whatever, put it on your dashboard in your car, he knows what he's doing. Better than we do. Way better than we do. And yet. And yet. 
Verse 19, then Moses said to them, no one is, keep, uh, is, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, everyone say however. <laughs> say it real sad. However, there you go, thank you. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. We're going to put a pin in that and come back to it, but remember that however. Verse 21, each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it till morning. So they've been told up until this point, don't save anything, right? And when they tried, it was filled with maggots and stunk to high heaven. But now, as Sabbath is approaching, they say, okay, we want you to save the extra for tomorrow. Verse 24, so they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Verse 27, nevertheless. So, exactly. Nevertheless, however, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. I'm going to say that again. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Okay. So here, there, there's, a, there's a lot in, in, in this chapter, in these verses. But what I want to talk about this morning is the lesson that God is teaching the Israelites. And that is this, that they are dependent. All right? The Israelites are dependent. And you know what? So are we. We are created to be dependent. So I'm not, I'm not dependent, I'm independent, all right? Yeah? When was the last time you slept? Right? Did you sleep last night? And if you didn't, chances are you're not in that great of a mood this morning. Why? Because we are dependent on rest. As much as we try and tell ourselves how amazing we are and we can do everything, at the end of the day, we put our head on a pillow and we rest. Why? Because we are created to be dependent. And that is what God is telling the Israelites here. That's why when I use that term hangry, I'm like, mm -hmm, I know what that is. Or you poke your spouse saying, I know you know what that is. <laughs> because we are dependent. We were created to be dependent. The problem is we've messed up who we are dependent on. We're supposed to be and created to be dependent on the Lord who can rain bread down from heaven and give us the exact amount that we need. And on top of that, give us a day of rest to just chill. But when we don't be dependent on God, when we're dependent on first other people, we don't rest. And we, I, want, I want to say real quick to, the, to anyone single this morning in here, don't think that a spouse is going to be your cure-all. That if I just meet my man or lady, then I'm going to be able to finally have peace and rest in my life. 
Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, just gonna just gonna leave that one alone. Yeah, I'm learning. I'm trying. They are not your savior. They are not your savior. And the, and the reason we know that is because they are just as dependent as you are. And to try and make someone else our savior is putting something on them that they can't be. They are dependent too. And that will lead to frustration, resentment, anger, and maybe even divorce. Because we are asking our spouse to be something they were never supposed to be. And so, if that is you out there and you're single and you're oh, listen, that's not what is going to give you rest. Is not what is going to give you peace. It will be a blessing, sure. But the point of marriage is, again, points to Jesus, not to each other. So we can look at other people and be dependent on them. It doesn't work. And then we can look at ourselves. We can try and be dependent on us, right? I can do this. I'm going to be my own. That's the problem with America. Everyone's their own savior. I got the car. I got the house. I got the family. Everything, all the boxes are checked, right? I did this. I earned this. We're dependent on ourselves. But again, we are dependent people. Eventually, it will fail. Listen, let me tell you all something. If you don't stop, God will stop you. God will stop you. He is the creator. We are the creation. He makes the rules. And if we don't break the rules, the rules break us. And they will break us. You can go and go and go and go and think, I don't need to rest. I, well, get ready, because the breakdown's coming. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that to be funny or sarcastic or anything like that. I say it out of love, that if you might be on that brink, here's what you do. You listening? Stop. Is your marriage not great? Stop. Listen, when you came to the altar, you said, I do to one another, not to everybody else around you. They get priority. Your spouse gets priority. If your calendar is filled and you need time and your marriage is struggling, stop. Tell people, look, we just can't. Well, why not? We just can't. And invest in your spouse. Work too much? Stop. Because it will break you. You heard the term, the conveniences of today? Like the, the world we're trying to, that, that is being created around us is, is, is trying to be a world that is convenient, right? That is fast. That, you know, all this modern technology is supposed to give us all these things. We have these phones that are like computers in our pocket that we carry around everywhere we go that are, they give us all of the tools that we need to make life easy. And yet now more in the history of the world, anxiety is at its highest level. In 2018, Barnes & Noble reported that they had a 25% increase in sales on books dealing with anxiety. That same year, as a country, it was reported that anxiety was increasing by 5%. And a worldwide study actually showed that it was the wealthier countries who dealt with anxiety more than lower-income countries. So in other words, you cannot work your way to rest. You cannot buy your way to rest because, again, you're relying on someone that is dependent on rest to do that for you. But listen, y'all, though God rests on the seventh day, he is not dependent on rest. 
He works for us all the time. So who are you being dependent on right now? Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8 says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Have y'all ever considered, these, this is one of the Ten Commandments that we just read. And there's no asterisk in the Ten Commandments. Like, if you do these, like, we'll, we'll be okay with this one over here, right? No, it's all the same. It's all on the same plane. Which means this, God sees resting just as important as don't kill anybody. It's the same level. Don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't worship false idols, rest. It's important. It is important to God. It is not a suggestion. And in this moment in history, he commands it. He commands it. In his mercy, he commands it so that the Israelites and the Jews are all reminded of his salvation over them. So they never forget who he is to them. So no matter, no matter what they face, they say, you know what? We have a God who rescues. We have a God who sent all those plagues, who parted the Red Sea. Now, I remember now. I remember now. When, when I got into, um, you know, running a while ago, I didn't, I didn't ask a lot of questions on how to do it. I just did it, right? I joined this group and thought, you know, they would, they would teach me, and, and they didn't, right? And so uh, I was under the assumption that in order to, to run further, you just kind of kept running further, and, and eventually you just get there. But there's, there's a whole aspect of running that's incredibly important that really doesn't have anything to do with running itself, and that is rest and nutrition. When I ran my first marathon, y'all, my body broke down because in the midst of this race I hadn't taken any nutrition I had some water but the, the problem with running far it, it takes time and you are using your body and it is using everything inside of it and it's coming out so you lose all sorts of nutrients and your body y'all doesn't run on empty eventually you got to put some stuff back in it it's weird that you actually eat while running but there's a there's a point to that it's so that your body won't break down. And sadly, I didn't learn that lesson very quickly because I did another one. And some of y'all in here is a very big moment of pride in my life. Had to like walk me to the finish line because my calves were literally seized up and I could not move. And the reason that it happened is because I refused to stop and take a couple salt tablets and take some goose and nutrition and eat a banana. And if I had just done that, I would have shaved like 20 minutes off of my time. And 20 minutes in running is an eternity. Listen, we're obsessed with time. Runners are geeks over time, all right? Like we're Olympians or something. It makes no sense, right? But we get done with our run, boop, stop the clock. All right, let me read you every single lap that we did and what time we were at, right? Like, I mean, no one cares except for us. We're obsessed with time. 
And so we don't stop. We just keep going, thinking that we're saving time, but eventually your body breaks down. You break the rules. It's going to break you. And then you end up crossing the finish line like this, right? And you, all the pictures are ruined of you on the finish line. The dreams that you had, these visions of glory, right, are gone. Listen, the first, the first marathon I finished, I barely got to the finish line, and this volunteer can tell, like, I'm, you know, about to just collapse. She goes, are you okay? No. Do you need a wheelchair? Yes. And I got wheelchair to a massage table, and I'm still out of it. I lay down on my back. They hand me a Gatorade, and I open it like this to drink, and it just gushes on my face. My face is sticky. Like, no pride, right? I'm totally broken. Because I hadn't stopped. I hadn't stopped. Listen, Ben is sick today, so as a way to make him feel better, I'm going to tell you all that he is training for a half Ironman. He would want you to know this. All right? If he hasn't told you already, if you've met him, chances are in the first 30 seconds he's told you. We did this race a few weeks ago. I have to tell the story. That's not my notes. We're like on the second mile. We're, we're pacing this group together. And he's, you know, Ben is like super extrovert. And I'm just like, we're going too fast. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just obsessing over the time. And um, so he's making friends, you know, of course, like only Ben would do. And like two miles in, he's like, yeah, I'm doing an Ironman in December. And I look over, he's like, half? <laughs> like, liar! It's not a full, it's a half. But I've been telling him since the moment that he started, because I know Ben, and if, and if you've gotten to know him, I, I call, he, he's not a workaholic, he's a moveaholic, right? He can't sit still, he just goes and goes and goes, and it's great, and I love it, and I love him for it. But I said, Ben, part of your training is the rest. Part of your training is to rest. You have to let your body recover, or you're never going to be able to get where you want to go, right? And he ignored me. Um, <laughs> but I think he's learning. And so, um, but it's true. Listen, our bodies will break down if we don't rest. If we don't stop, our marriages will suffer. Our relationship with our children will suffer. God created us, and he wove in his creation rest. That's why he made it part of the creation story. It's so that as we exist, as we live our lives, how we live, rest is involved. Do you know in, in, in the Jewish culture, rest begins the day, it doesn't end the day? If you go back to Genesis 1 and read the creation, it's, there was evening and there was morning the first day, second day, third day. Evening comes first, rest comes first, but we live opposite. We go, 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 and then we collapse on the couch and are in our bed at the end of the day. Like just completely done, completely exhausted. We wake up and do it all over again and we're just on this wheel and we're gonna break. That's why in his mercy, God commanded us to rest. John 6, 25. So when they found him on the other side of the lake, this is talking about Jesus. They asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. This is the same chapter where Jesus feeds the 5,000. It's just after that. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils. Kind of like the manna in the wilderness, right? 
Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You see how when Jesus comes on the scene, y'all listen to this, the work changes. Jesus wasn't in the wilderness yet. He wasn't on earth yet when the, when the Israelites were out there. And so the work was on them to go and gather this bread every single day except on Sabbath. But Jesus arrives and he says, here is your work now. Believe. Believe. Don't go out of your tent every day and gather, gather, gather. All you have to do now is believe in me. That's the work. That's the work. And that's what God was, was trying to show the Israelites and what Jesus is still trying to show us now. If you would just believe that I am a good God, you can rest in that. You don't need to store up food for the next day. I will provide. Stop being dependent on yourself. Rest in me. Believe in me. Have faith in me. And I will show you and you will know that I am God in your life. Will we? I want to. I hope we do. Because otherwise, we're going to break, y'all. And listen, God's people are the last ones that should break. We are made strong. We are made strong. But it only happens when we put our faith in Him, when we are dependent on Him. And we can say, even when the world seems like it's going 100 miles an hour, we can say, I am going to stop. I'm going to stop and I'm going to trust in you that you will provide and you will do it perfectly. Verse 30, so they asked him, this kills me every single time I read this. What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Remember, he had just fed 5,000 people. <laughs> what will you do? I mean, y'all, for real, God is so patient with us. Verse 31, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus says, we're still looking for this food. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Y'all seeing the parallels here? And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. 
and I will raise them up at that last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble. We heard that word this morning before, grumble, about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Jesus is saying here, look, y'all can talk about this manna all day long, but check it out. I came down from heaven. I am the bread of life. Don't ask for that. Don't live in the past. I am the bread of life. Eat of me. Eat of me. What God was doing all the way back then, all those hundreds of years ago, was pointing to me. And this is the moment, and here I am, right in front of you, and still you don't believe. That's the work. Believe. We're going to have the band come back up, and we're going to close this morning with communion. Because what happens on, on this whole Sabbath, this rest, it does all point to Jesus. And there was, in the Old Testament, the ultimate Sabbath day, which was the Day of Atonement, which the high priest would come and he would offer a sacrifice. He'd sacrifice a lamb and pour the blood over the Ten Commandments, and no one would do anything, right? It was the ultimate Sabbath day of rest. It was a very honored day, remembering, remembering what God did all those years ago, delivering the Israelites out of Egypt, freeing them, saving them. And then Jesus arrives on the scene, and he shows up in Jerusalem on what day? The Day of Atonement. The ultimate day of rest. And he sits and he has dinner with his disciples. And he takes the bread. And he says, this is not the manna. This is my body. This is my body that will be broken for you. I came down from heaven. God sent me down from heaven, just like the manna. But he has sent me down from heaven. And instead of remembering what was, I want you to receive what is now. And that is my body. That does not spoil. That does not fade. You will never go hungry again. So here's my body. And he takes the cup. He says, this wine is, is not the blood of the lamb that's being sacrificed by the high priest. This is the blood of the spotless lamb of God. Me. This, this cup represents me and my blood that is poured out, not on the Ten Commandments, but is poured out for you to make you clean. So don't take this and remember what was. Remember me. Receive me. Believe in me. Because I am eternal. That was for some years in the desert, but I am eternal. All of that was pointing to me, and here I am, and y'all, here he is right now today. And our work is not to go gather and save up and try and do God's work for us and be dependent on ourselves. He freed us of that. Our work is to believe in him and that his words over us are true. I just want you all to be real honest with yourselves this morning. You feel like, well, either you, you have gotten to that place where you're breaking 
even breaking the rules, not resting, being dependent on yourself, being dependent on someone else, literally like forgetting about God altogether. And you're just at that moment where you're about to break. In Jesus' name, I, I pray for you right now that you would be released of that and you would be able to stop and rest in him and remember what he did for you on the cross was an eternal work where you can rest in him. I wanna say it again, you can rest in him. Stop putting all the onus and all the responsibility of life on yourself. And please stop putting it on someone else. It's not fair to you or them. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's the work, that's the work. And as we continue to believe, as we continue to take those steps, our faith grows more, our trust in the Lord goes more, our love for the Lord grows more. We try and do it by proving and going and going and God's saying, no, 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 no. You remember me by stopping and resting. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we, God, we repent. We ask you to forgive us, Lord, when we have been trying to do it all on our own. And we've lost sight of who you are. We've forgotten who you are. We've forgotten what you've done in our own lives, Lord. Our own salvation out of Egypt. Whatever our story is, God, we've just we've gone so far down the rabbit trail of, of trying to do things our own, on our own or whatever, that we have forgotten who you are in our lives. God, forgive us right now in Jesus' name. We repent of that. Thank you for returning us back to you. God, I pray for those this morning that, that are, are breaking or even may have broken already. God, that you would heal them. God, that you would comfort them. God, that you would be near to them. May you make them whole again, even now in this moment, Lord, that they would be restored, encouraged, released of the burdens that they're never meant to carry. God, I pray healing over them in Jesus' name. God, right now, we, we do turn our attention and our focus and our heart towards you, Jesus, our Savior. You took the burden. You were beaten and bruised and crucified, dying just the worst death imaginable, more painful than we could ever describe. Not even being able to breathe without extreme pain in your body. And you did all that for each one of us so that we could rest in you. We could believe in you. We could run to you. We could turn our sorrows and hardships of life over to you. A God who is faithful, who knows exactly what he's doing, who is very good at what he is doing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your death that saved us. Saved us from hell. Saved us from ourselves. Saved us from this world. And Lord, we take this bread in remembrance of you but also to say, we're not gonna forget you. Let's take the bread.
Father, we thank you for your blood that was poured out for us. That is that true blood sacrifice that washes us clean, Father. God, you're awesome in your the stories that you tell and how they all point to Jesus. How the blood over the doorposts, God, as you delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, God, that is us with you. You put your blood on us and say, death cannot touch you. Death cannot have you. You are mine. As, as we read earlier in John 6, you will not lose one of us who believe in you. We are yours because of your blood. We're forgiven because of your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for being our sacrifice that we can live knowing we are never lost in you. You always have us. Let's take the cup. stand to our feet and as, as you do I, I want you to close your eyes before we go back into worship just stand up but, but close your eyes right where you're at we'll collect the cups in a minute just stay right where you're at and I want to read these words to you one more time we're going to end with where we began in this whole series as Jesus says these words Take them to heart. Listen to them again. Do not forget them. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's worship.